0: All right. Another solo episode of the Bookly Podcast. I don't really know how I'm feeling about all of the solo episodes. I do know for me personally, stress-wise, it's amazing. It is amazing to not have to find guests. That being said, the next couple episodes will have some guests. I believe next week Olivia's going to guest on it again, and then my brother Adam should be guesting after that. And then we do have a couple new guests coming on here shortly, So it's not going to just be me pretty much continuously. (laughs) Um, Just know that, know that I am working on still finding guests. And if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, please reach out and let me know. We will, there is a sign up to be a guest on our Instagram. So if you follow us at bookly podcast, then you can fill out a form to be a guest on the podcast and you can choose any of the books that I have lined up for the whole year because the entire year's list of books is released. So if you are interested in reading along with the Bookly Podcast, you can view that list on our Instagram. Again, that is at Bookly Podcast. Or if you watch on YouTube, if you go to the community section here on YouTube, there are two posts, the first half of the year and the second half of the year, with an outline of every book um, you know from January to December for 2024, what I will be reading, what the episodes are going to be about. So you can read along, pick and choose some of your favorite books, or maybe read some books that you've never read before. So it'll be interesting to see how this all goes this year. That's a lot of books. But this week's book was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And I don't really know why I wanted to read this book. I, I was Googling like, you know, obviously like 50 books that everybody should read before they die, you know, 100 best books of all time. This one is usually on those lists. I. It is usually at the bottom of those lists, though. It's not going to be like a top 10 book. It's not really even like a top 20 book, but usually it's on there somewhere around 20 to 50-ish in the list. It mentions this book. In addition to that, it's a pretty famous movie. I've never seen the movie, so I don't really know, but I was doing some research about the book and about the movie when i was making my book list and this is number 18 on imdb's greatest movies of all time list uh which is pretty high up there and it won five oscars five golden globes it was nominated for a grammy and it actually held the guinness book of world record for the longest title of a film to win best oscar didn't know that was a category but when i was looking up accolades for the movie that was one that popped up and not only that, but a couple of the main characters, Nurse Ratchet and Chief Bromden, were returning characters frequently on ABC show Once Upon a Time. And Netflix actually recently, within the last three years, I think, produced a prequel series to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that is all about a young Nurse Ratchet. So pretty influential book as far as pop culture goes and then like I said on every book every book list that I've read it's generally pretty high up there. Goodreads gives it a 4.2 which is pretty high you know that's a respectable book. I think any book that cracks above four is generally a really like high consensus book and then anything above 4.2 is is usually pretty high up on the list. But I will say this book is not universally loved. There are a lot of people that absolutely hate this book. If you read reviews for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you get people that are like, this book changed my life. I love this book. You know, Literary genius. And then there are people who are like, I would burn this book if I could. I hate this book. A terrible, terrible, terrible book. In fact, if you Google One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and you look at the Wikipedia entry for it, and you scroll down a little bit, there's like a section about controversy. It classifies One Clue Over the Cuckoo's Nest as one of the most banned books of all time. So don't know whether that's true or not. didn't really do any sort of verification or research into that, but I did, I mean, I can kind of understand why it would be a banned book. There are a lot of themes in this book that aren't exactly PG. So that was another thing. Um, As far as, you know, moms or you know I don't know if you've got a a kind of a weak stomach for maybe things this is definitely not like I'd say it's not a PG book it's actually not even a PG-13 book I wouldn't even say this book is definitely got some more adult themes in it the let me read the synopsis of the book off of Goodreads real quick and then we can kind of go into why it's a little bit more adult, um, so it is tyrannical nurse ratchet rules her ward in an Oregon state mental hospital with a strict unbending routine unopposed by her patients who remain cowed and mind numbing who remain cowed by by mind numbing medication and the threat of electric shock therapy by the end or sorry, man. Sorry. I'll, I'll give an excuse later. But her regime is disrupted by the arrival, arrival of McMurphy, the swaggering, fun-loving trickster with a devilish grin who re, who resolves to oppose her rules on behalf of his fellow inmates. His struggle is seen through the eyes of Chief Bromden, a seemingly mute, half-Indian patient who understands McMurphy's heroic attempts to do battle with the powers that keep them imprisoned. Ken, uh, Kez, Ken Kesey, the author, Um, extraordinary first novel is exuberant, whatever, honest portrayal of the boundaries between sanity and madness. Sorry, I am struggling right now because I'm not feeling hundred percent, a little bit under the weather right now. So if I feel, if any of, if any of this feels jumbled at all, it's because my mind is literally jumbled right now. And that is my excuse and I'm sticking to it. But, but yeah. So for those of you who couldn't get through that jumbled mess, this book is about, a psych ward in Oregon and it's about a bunch of patients they are classified in two groups there are the chronic patients I believe is what they are called um, which are temporary patients patients that are trying to get better to eventually leave the psych ward and then they there are the acute patients which are just basically classified as hey you're gonna die here in the psych ward you're insane and there's no getting any better have fun living in the you know. In the insane asylum. And then it's about, you know, a group of these patients who are basically ruled over by this evil nurse, Nurse Ratched. And then this this guy comes into the ward and he's not like anything else that the patients have ever seen. He challenges the nurse and eventually leaves a lasting impression on those members of the psych ward. So that's the story of the book. It's an older book, um, and by older, I mean, I want to say 60s, if I remember correctly. I mean, I could be wrong. It was probably 60s, 70s when it was released, would be my guess. And it deals with a lot of more adult themes as to why the patients are in the psych ward. For instance, the main character of the book, his name is McMurphy. And he is a Korean War veteran who has had a lot of run-ins with the law, is not the most upright and upstanding member of society, and eventually gets in trouble for having sex with an underage girl. And in order to avoid kind of the work detail of a traditional prison he pleads insanity thinking that it's going to be an easier route for him than having to work in a prison so that's the main character and then if you can imagine it's a hospital full of equally mentally um you know mentally handicapped individuals that all have their own sets of problems whether that is you know i i don't there are lots of problems. I don't want to go too in detail to it because I don't want this podcast to be a more adult theme. But yes, if you are queasy about any of that kind of stuff, this may not be the book for you. In addition, there are pretty frequent mentions of prostitutes and drugs just in general. I think that that comes, one, from being taking place in a psych ward where drugs are pretty prevalent Is to, you know, the, the use of drugs in order to keep patients kind of in a mind-numbing state, but also some fun facts about the author. Um, Ken Kesey, I don't know if I'm saying the his last name is spelled K-E-S-E-Y. So Kesey, I'm just going to call him Ken. He's the author. He is a very interesting fellow with some pretty colorful past. So he was super into LSD back in the day, and he actually amassed a following of people that he would call the Merry Pranksters and hold giant parties called acid tests where they would all drop acid and then have a giant party. And it was actually Ken who was kind of an early mentor slash gave the first shot to the Grateful Dead, another band kind of known, not kind of, very, 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 very much known for their use of psychedelics and you know the influence of psychedelics on their music. And, yeah, he was definitely a very early mentor of the Grateful Dead. He, his, actually his party, one of his acid uh, test parties, was the first venue that the Grateful Dead ever performed at, as the band The Grateful Dead. I mean, I think other members and stuff had actually performed other places, but the first time that they came on stage calling themselves the Grateful Dead was at one of his giant acid trip parties. And the reason why Ken was such a big fan of LSD is actually because he volunteered to take part in a CIA, what he didn't know at the time, but CIA finance study group, later to be disclosed as MKUltra. So he was an MKUltra patient. And so he got dosed up with a ton of LSD. And then he also worked at a veterans hospital where he was a night aide patrolling the veterans hospital. And that's actually where he got the idea for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was still tripping acid while walking around a veterans hospital at night with a friend and he decided that he wanted to write a book about the patients there. It says here that Ken often spent time talking to patients, sometimes under the influence of hallucinogenic drugs. Um, He did not believe that the patients were insane, but rather that society had pushed them out because they did not fit into conventional ideas of how people were supposed to act and behave. So that's where the premise of the book really comes from and the inspiration from the book comes from it comes from an actual hospital and a dude that is tripping on LSD so if you can imagine the plot and characters of the book are not the most buttoned up and i would say like culturally conforming characters uh, (laughs) that I've ever read and I definitely think that comes partly because of the culture uh, that he was very much a part of which is that kind of counterculture revolution that was sweeping through uh, what is that San Francisco and that he was very much central in as well as just his pretty much frequent use of hallucinogenic drugs in order to come up with the premise of this book. So that's a little bit about Ken. Also kind of interesting about him is that he was originally involved in that film, in the film uh, starring Jack Nicholson that did so well. But after two weeks, he left production and claimed to have never seen the movie because of a dispute over $20,000 that was paid to him for the film rights. So he also didn't love that the book was not, or that the movie was not true to the book as far as like narrators and there were some other kind of instances that he felt like didn't didn't portray the book the way that he wanted it to be portrayed and so he was not a big fan of the movie even though the movie did phenomenally as you can see being a top 20 book on imdb makes it you know a pretty pretty smash hit i would say so yeah so interesting facts about the the writer of the book and also just kind of kind of proving my point and kind of maybe giving some background as to why this book was a little bit more adult themed. And for those who maybe would were interested in reading the book, I would just keep that in mind. That being said, there is not really anything graphic about it. It does mention some unsavory events, but it is not in any way a graphic book with any sort of like graphic depicting of any instances or anything like that it is very much more of like a surface level depiction of what goes on as far as kind of the adult themes go and you kind of have to so i again so just just knowing it's not it's not like absurdly r rated but the themes and the overall setting of the book do make it a little bit harder to digest so that is kind of a little bit of background about the book now my personal opinion about the book it's very split. Um very 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 split. I did not like the first third of the book. In fact, it was one of the books that I was like it's one of the few times during the Bookly podcast where I would actually dread having to listen to the book, knowing that like man, I've got to make an episode, which means I've got to finish this this book, and I dreaded listening to the book. Um it took me you know, quite a bit longer than most books to get through. Usually I can get through a book in you know three to five days. This one took me easily a week and a half because I did not want <laughs> to listen to this book. And mostly because it's hard to follow. So the book is narrated by one of the patients and that's Chief Bromden. And he is a half Indian um, or half Native American, half white fella who's in a mental hospital And is under the influence of some pretty heavy drugs to keep him stable. And because of that, he hallucinates quite a bit. And you never really know what is reality and what isn't. Because he, in the book, it will just basically talk about things that are happening. And you can kind of tell that those things are true. Um, You know, obviously the main character McMurphy arriving and his interactions with some of the characters... Like, you can tell that that's reality, but then the book slips back and forth between basically, like, hallucinations, dreams, weird, just, like, thoughts of somebody who has been in an insane asylum as long as this person can... I mean, he has memories from his youth, but there's no clear separation between, like, oh, this since I've been in this insane asylum. Basically, he just... Or this mental hospital. He basically... I don't know. It's, it's hard to put it because you don't ever know if what he's talking about is truth. Like at one point in the book, obviously there are some things that you can point out and be like, this guy's a little bit off his rocker. But at one point in the book, he talks about how he goes to sleep and he is watching everybody sleep. And then he, he stays up later than he ever has stayed up before because he doesn't take one of his sleeping pills. And he watches the floor sink I think he says thirty stories or twenty stories down into the ground, and then there's all these people working down under the ground, and they're basically taking patients and stringing them up and switching, you know, their insides out with computers so that they can make them better members of society that conform to the to the norms of society, and they're slowly turning these patients into basically like—I don't know how I would put that—they're turning them into conforming members of society but also like part robots i don't know it's very strange like and you can tell obviously that's a hallucination but there's no clear break in the story as to like what's a hallucination and what's not and he talks constantly about like being fogged and kind of the mental powers of this nurse nurse ratchet that she has over these these inmates and she not inmates some of them are inmates actually over all of these patients and how she can slow down time and speed up time and how it, it's very strange, but it makes the book incredibly hard to follow. And especially listening to the book, there were multiple times where I just, I mean, that may be another reason why I had to, why it took me so long to read this book is that I had to rewind this book constantly. I was like, what just happened? Like, where did we jump from some guy walking down the hall to, you know, all the patients laying on their bed. It was crazy. So because of that, it was a little bit hard to follow, and I really did not like that about the first half of the book. Now, thinking back on the book, I think it's an interesting tactic that the author used to demonstrate his point because really the book starts off very heavy in that kind of in and out of the fog, I think is what he calls it, as far as what's true and what's not true. And then as the book progresses, you can see that that fog is slowly, slowly chipped away so that by the end, it's basically just a narration of what's actually happening. And it's because of the character and the effect that um, the main character, McMurphy, has on all of the patients there and helping them kind of regain their confidence, regain who they are, and also kind of have a desire to be to, to not be in that mental institution anymore and to kind of, I don't know if, if that's the right way, but yeah, he, he kind of instills that kind of drive to live life again and not be scared of everything around them. And so because of that, you can see that the main character, the narrator, is kind of going through that experience as well, which makes it interesting looking in hindsight as to why the book was like that. But when you start the book, it's very frustrating for me, at least. For me, I was just like, holy cow. If the whole book was like that, it would have been just utter, utter, utter confusion. And so, and I didn't know it was gonna be like that going into it. I mean, I I think I had heard once on like a Joe Rogan podcast that the book was narrated by a, a, a patient. So like I expected it to be in there slightly, but as to the like frequency of hallucination, of hallucin- hallucinations in the first probably third of the book I did I was not expecting that it is frequent it is so hard to tell what's reality and what's not reality in the first third of the book and it's hard to follow his thought process because he's also like incredibly scatterbrained throughout the first third of the book that it makes it hard to understand what's going on in the story but once you kind of get past that and it starts to become more clear then that's when I really really enjoyed the book and actually, like, really enjoyed the book way more than I thought I would. Again, it was so hard to read that first third of the book, and then by the end of the book, I did not want to put it down. I from about there's a point in the book where all of the characters go fishing, and they get off of the, the uh, the institution, and you know there's ten of them, and they're able to go fishing, and they catch all these salmon, and they catch this halibut, and they kind of, that's kind of where they start. It says that that's kind of where they laugh. For the first time since they've been in the institution. And from then on, the book was phenomenal. Loved, loved, loved the book. It was super easy to follow. The characters became more and more endearing. But it was that first initial part of the book that was kind of hard to get to through. So if you're somebody who maybe has started this book and put it down, I would definitely suggest trying to push through the book because it is much more enjoyable in the second half of the book than it is in the first half of the book. But I do think it's probably it was probably done on purpose again because you you kind of see through the eyes of one of the patients and so you can see the effect that McMurphy had on this patient specifically throughout the throughout the book. So that was my personal opinion of the like, how, whether or not I liked the book or not. Um, I personally don't feel like the characters detracted from the book. If anything, I liked that a lot of the characters were really, really flawed individuals who still were able to kind of find happiness. So that was one of the quotes that I wanted to read here. Um, let me pull it up real quick. But it is... down here a little bit. He says, and this is... Um, This is the narrator, Chief Bromden, talking about McMurphy um, and kind of the effect that he has on on people. He says, he knows that you have to laugh at things that hurt you just to keep yourself in balance, just to keep the world from running you plum crazy. So that that was one of the themes that I really did like about the book. I liked that there were individuals who kind of were down in their dumps. I mean, there were some individuals who were kind of maybe born socially unacceptable to, to society at that time. There were individuals like uh, Randall McMurphy who was there for court order. There were individuals who had kind of developed these like schizophrenic personalities or you know these kind of really crazy fears. Uh, later on in life you had a lot of veterans who didn't really know how to process the aftermath of being in war um there were kind of maybe old people who were suffering from dementia and didn't really have a grasp of reality in general and so th- there were quite a few different individuals in the book that were all struggling in their own way and that all had their flaws and when i say flaws i mean there were there were some individuals that had some some major flaws like <laughs> it talks about early on in the book you know them meeting for group therapy and talking about you know, some of the negative things that they've done in their lives and these are by no means like good moral individuals. However, I think the the kind of idea in the book that although they are flawed individuals that they can still find happiness and become become better individuals, I think was a really, I don't know if I'm interpreting that interpreting that wrong or or not, but that's kind of the theme that I saw in the book. Um, you know that they just needed to learn how to embrace life again and kind of move on from their mistakes. I know that that's not the theme that a lot of other people saw in the book. So again, this book is pretty controversial in the themes that you want to pull from it, and I don't know what was intended, but I know that. When reading a lot of other comments, people really hated the book because they felt like the overall theme of the book was that people didn't need to go to these institutions to change, but rather that the world just needed to accept them for who they were, even though, the, even though a lot of them were terrible individuals. And I didn't really get that feeling. I kind of got the feeling more so, again, that they were kind of downtrodden, beat on by the world. And that they had kind of lost the spark that makes them humans and that we just can't lose that spark regardless of what we've done in our lives. Now, I do see kind of that argument though that because the main character, Randall McMurphy, again, he's trying to get out of prison and he comes to the psych ward and he basically just challenges this nurse and just says, I'm gonna do whatever I can to not change, not be, to not do anything That the nurse tells me to do and just kind of get the nurse's goat the entire book and so because of that i can see his character being more of a character of no progress and so when people maybe talk about in the book that they hate that they hate the characters randall mcmurphy i could see being a pretty hateable character although he is very charming and by the end of the book you're kind of rooting for him to beat this old nasty nurse but I get why people don't like Randall because he doesn't really change throughout the book. You know, he comes into the, to the psych ward arrogant and, not, and kind of set in his ways, and he leaves the psych ward arrogant and set in his ways. So I understand that his lack of progression as a character can be kind of infuriating. However, he wasn't my favorite character. It was the rest of the characters that really grew on me and that I feel like was the major message behind the story, which was these characters were perfectly content dying in that mental institution until McMurphy got there. The entire, their entire existence and light for life had been completely drained out of them because of the mistakes that they had made or because they didn't conform to kind of the societal normal and it took somebody like Randall McMurphy to kind of push them out of that and give them an excitement to live again. And a lot of the characters by the end of the book kind of make that transition and decide that they want to live their life again and that they're not going to be kind of saddled down by the by this institution that just wants to make them basically float until they die. And so that was the part that I really liked. I liked that I liked the message that you, you know, regardless of what you've done in life, regardless of where you are in life, that that light can be still brought back into you and that you can be excited to live life again. Um, because I think a lot of people do get kind of trodden down and, and burnt out and maybe give up on life. Um, but that, that that can always come back. Um, I think it was a, a really good, good, wholesome message, even for individuals who have nothing, who, yeah, are in a state of complete non-feeling. I think that that was really cool. So, um, you know, one of the other quotes that I wanted to read here was kind of their their mental state, and he's talking about the mental state of the people who live in this um, clinic. And he again talks about nobody complains, and again, this is coming from somebody who's in a clinic and doesn't see everything exactly the way it is. But he literally visualizes fog coming into the clinic and taking over. But he says, nobody complains about the fog. I know why now. As bad as it is, you can slip back into it and feel safe. That's what McMurphy can't understand, us wanting to be safe. He keeps trying to drag us out of the fog, out into the open, where it's it's easy to get at, where we'd be easy to get at. And again, that was the message that I really liked. It was kind of this this idea that these individuals had been kind of secluded, made safe through this institution and that they were okay, living safe lives in this kind of haze fog with no challenges but also no dangers because they just because that was what they were choosing was safety. And then it took a character like McMurphy to kind of rip them out of that and show them the joys of kind of risk as the joys of, you know, failures, the joys uh, like of succeeding in failure, of taking risks, of, you know, kind of putting yourself back out there into the world. And I think that that, that's a good message for a lot of people, that they need to to not live in the fog. I think there's a lot of people in the world who maybe don't live in like a a drug. I mean, actually, I think there's a lot of people in this world that do live in a drug-induced fog, But I do think that there's a lot of people that maybe also don't live in a drug-induced fog, but they do live in a fog. And it's that fog of just safety, comfort, and almost like minimal feeling and experience because it's safe and they know what's going to happen. And you don't want to leave that kind of safe, warm, fuzzy zone because you never know what's going to happen if you leave the safe, warm, fuzzy zone. But that was what was so cool to see from this book was the experiences that they had in leaving it. And they weren't always good experiences. A lot of them suffered. A lot of them were hurt. But ultimately, it was it was the choice that all of them made by the end was it was more important to be out of the fog than to be safe in the fog. I thought that was a really cool message and a very interesting kind of take from the book. Um, let me think here. Let me pull up my my notes here. Oh, the other thing, the other major theme of the book is also just kind of the, the idea between what what classifies somebody as crazy and like the, rule, the, the rules of society. And I know that that's probably another pretty contentious part of the book because there are a lot of people who don't like the fact that the book challenges kind of the social norm of what makes somebody crazy and, and, and what doesn't make somebody crazy. Um, because I think, I think Ken Kesey was probably a little bit more along the lines of kind of tear down the norms, tear down the, the, uh, tear down the institutions that hold that classify people as good and bad and everybody is just what they are and that's okay. And obviously that can be taken to, a uh, an extreme where you basically say that, you know, there, there are no rules in society. There's no reason to conform to society. Um, and that everybody can just be freewheeling and think whatever they think. Uh, I mean, there's that crazy video of that lady. And I say crazy now, again, I think that's probably counter to the, the point of this book, but it's that lady on the news saying that two plus two doesn't have to equal four. If you don't want it to equal four, that it can equal five. And I think that that probably is a, a point of this book it's probably very kind of like 1984 ish in that regard and that you know your personal reality and the rules of society don't necessarily necessarily need to align correctly or not align correctly but align perfectly but that your rules on society your views about society or your, your personal views about yourself don't shouldn't be dictated about from society and I agree to that to a certain extent. However, this is what I always come back to when it comes to this kind of stuff, and that is there are, you know, what is a society? And a society is a group of people with shared values who decide to work together to to pursue a common goal. That's all it is. Pretty simple, group of people, common values, common goal, move together. I mean, a society should be driven by like a common interest. More often than not, society nowadays are, are, you know, driven by the interest of, you know, personal safety or, you know, in a smaller form, you know, families can be, you know, a kind of a microcosm of a society. And, you know, they're, you know, driven by success and, you know, the ability to prosper and all of those things are kind of purposes for society. But, I think the part that people kind of miss out on when they talk about society, they all every, everybody always has the same common goal, which is, you know, care for the sick, help those. you know you want everybody to be safe. you want people to have the things that they need to survive and thrive. Um, I think that's the goal for just about everybody. Unless you're a complete psychopath and you don't really care about anybody around you, I think most people want other people to be happy. and that's kind of the common goal for society as a whole. But I think the problem then comes in is when you neglect the common values and the, and the uh, side of society. I think it's important that societies also are grouped together, or not grouped together, but are held together by a kind of common string of values. And... That's where this book gets a little bit muddled, because some of the characters, like McMurphy, are obviously terrible people. (laughs) I mean, again, he's sent to jail for having a relationship with an underaged female, and then he basically says, like, I don't want to work or serve my time in prison. I'm going to pretend to be insane in order to go to a mental hospital where it'll be kind of cushy. So obviously not the greatest example of somebody with like shared values. He also doesn't ever throughout the book feel remorse for any of his actions. And in fact, anytime he's given an opportunity to kind of revert back to his old life, he basically takes it every single time. So the idea that McMurphy should be just free Roman um, out in society Like, all of the inmates are like, McMurphy needs to leave, McMurphy needs to leave, he needs to escape, he needs to escape, the whole book, because they're like, he's too good and too normal to be living in this insane asylum. And that's the part that maybe I didn't really agree with a whole lot, and maybe that I didn't, that I would agree with some of the negative book reviewers about this book, is that kind of Ken Kesey's idea that... There are no shared common shared common values in a society, and that you can be whatever you want to be, um, and that your own, you know, personal reality is what's most important. I would not agree with. Um, I do think you know McMurphy was a terrible person, and he should have been in prison. And there, and although he's charismatic and he does help, and there are redeeming qualities about him, in that he wants to help all of the in. Are all of the other patients and he's you know trying to help them smile and gain their confidence back and he does give back to the patients ultimately he doesn't he doesn't ever agree that he also needs to change in order to conform to a more safe common valued society instead he just wants to be accepted back into society for who he is so There are good and there are bad things about the book for sure, and there are themes that I would agree with and that I wouldn't. However, I think the most important thing for a book is that it, I guess not the most important thing. Maybe there are other important things like enjoyment and just overall satisfaction with a book. However, one of the things that I really do or really have liked about reading so far this year has been the idea that some books will challenge my preconceived notions and will also make me think about other people's perspectives, and I think this is a really good book for that specifically. So I know that there are a lot of people who don't, who won't read books if they you know go against their set of you know solid ideals that they've already created and that never ever ever could be wrong ever. But I don't think that that's a good way to look at things because. You're never. Nobody's batting a thousand. You know what I mean. Nobody's a hundred percent correct on everything that they've ever thought. You know there are people that you know can always improve or you know change their ideas in order to you know just be a more value add member of society or even just to be a more well rounded individual and understand and empathize with people around you. Um, If I had to say one personal quality that i feel like is missing in this world. I think i would say it's empathy. People are just no long just aren't empathetic anymore. You know, i think that that's one of the powerful things that books can give you is a different perspective and even if you don't change your perspective, even if you're still like, oh, no, i was right. My perspective was correct. The the ability to gain even just a little bit of empathy for people is Is huge, and especially in a world that significantly lacks it. So, if anything, I would say this book is important because of the opportunity that it has to provide empathy for people on both sides of kind of the the thought process. You know, you could be somebody who is, you know, very strict and rigid about the roles of society and the roles of individuals within a society. And then you could read this book and kind of see how individuals who maybe did not conform to that role of society also can still have positive impacts on people's lives. And I think that's important. I think that's important to know that people are not just pure evil or pure good, but that it's a very nuanced conversation. There are people who have done terrible things but can still have positive impacts on other individuals, such as McMurphy. McMurphy's a great example of that, terrible individual, but in the end, has a very permanent and lasting impact on the other patients there that actually is positive to a lot of their lives. So you can kind of gain empathy for people in that direction. On the flip side, you can kind of gain empathy for you know, the patients who maybe, maybe you're somebody who's like, no, there's no such thing as crazy people they just need to be accepted by society. Well, I think this book also goes to show that there are people who need help. You know, there, and maybe "crazy" is not their correct word for them, but the patients of the hospital at the beginning of the book definitely needed help. They needed assistance. They needed somebody to help them out of the fog and to help them gain their confidence back. Regardless of, you know, whether or not you think that's classified as crazy or not, that's up to you. But you can gain kind of the the empathy for kind of the argument that people do need to be helped and whether or not that's in an institution or whether that's, you know, one-on-one or whatever it is, but that, you know, maybe people aren't okay just the way they are. But that change and progression and, you know, kind of self-betterment is a good process for society. Like you don't want to just let a bunch of hallucinogenic people run around society without any sort of personal, without helping them progress past that, to that point where they feel okay going back into society. Like a lot of people just don't feel okay going back into society. And that has nothing to do with society that has to do with them personally and their ability to grow so i think from both sides of the aisle you can kind of see you know a you can kind of see that art another person's argument in a light that shows something contrary to the way that you believe and i think that's important through books and i think that this book does a very good job of that and being a good example of just getting people to think and getting people to maybe look through the eyes of somebody that they never thought that they'd look through the eyes of. Um, I mean, the entire book is told through the eyes of a patient at a mental hospital. And so it's a very unique perspective in that book, in that regard. So that would be that would be my thoughts on this book. And overall, like I said, first third of the book did not like it, could not follow it. Second, you know, the, the last three, two thirds, the last two thirds of the book Really, really, really enjoyed. And it was a book that I've been thinking about for the last four days, and that has really probably left a pretty big big impact on me as far as the way that I'm thinking and, I don't know, just overall kind of pondering about the role of society and, you know, your, I don't know, personal perception. Um, I know that that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that is really what I'm thinking about. And there are a lot of books that I read and I put down and I never think about ever again. And this was a book that I read, I put down, and I've been thinking about it now for the last three days and been excited about this podcast episode. And I'm sure this podcast episode is just as hard to follow as the first third of this book. Um, because my thoughts were kind of all over the place. Again, it it's a book that is kind of all over the place, both themes-wise and perspective and just overall <laughs> literary, you know, choices. It's all over the place. You know, it's there's it's it's hard. It's a hard book. And so I felt like doing a podcast where I just kind of rambled and talked about my thoughts was perfect for it because that's really what the book is all about. And overall, what I would say is as far as like rating this book on a scale of one to five for fun and one to five for importance, I'd probably give this book a four for fun. Four for fun because the first third of the book is not fun, but I would say the last two thirds of the book were fun. That's why it doesn't get a five. And as far as importance, I think I would also give this a four for important. Uh, actually, I'm going to give this a five for importance. I do think this is a fairly important book. I think this is a fairly important book because it, it's a book that, that gets people really thinking. And regardless of whether you liked the topics in this book or you liked the characters, I think there's a lot to not like about the characters. There's a lot to really, really detest about the characters, to be completely honest. I think McMurphy, like I said, is a terrible individual, and he doesn't show any growth throughout the book, and Nurse Ratchet is also a terrible character. I didn't really get into her a whole lot. She runs the ward with basically an iron fist, and her rule is law, and her only goal is to keep the patients basically sedated without any progress and in this constant state of fog. But not happiness, but not despair. And I just think that's a terrible way to go throughout life. And so her character is basically promoting that way of life. And so, and she also, you know, is just also a terrible person. She uses a lot of blackmail and rules, rules the ward in in a very terrible way. So also not a very great character. And then, like I said, there's a lot of you know, prostitutes and different things like that that make the characters a little unsavory. However, there's also a lot of personal growth, not for McMurphy, but for the rest of the characters that I think is worthy of reading. And it's worthy of reading about into like what motivated them to grow, what kind of brought them out of this fog, and just in general, kind of how... They change to re enter society, I think, is very interesting. I really, really, really enjoyed that part of the book. And it's a book that I don't know that there are a whole lot of books written about people in an institution, narrated by people in an institution where the people in the institution are the good guys. So, makes it kind of a unique book. I would say probably five in importance. It is. I I do get why people put this as, you know, a top 20 book of all time, like important book to read. Um, However, it's not for the faint of heart. If you're somebody who is a little bit squeamish about those kinds of things or doesn't like to read kind of negative themes or, you know, electroshock therapy, things like that, then I would stay away from this book. But if you're somebody who can handle that kind of stuff, it is a very thought-provoking book. And a thought-provoking book to me is a good book. Whether or not you agree with all the thoughts that it provokes, I think being just in general the world could use a little bit more thinking individuals, so I think that that's a good thing. So I'd give it a four and a five, and that's what I would say about One flavor or the Cuckoo's Nest. I think... I don't know. I was going to say I think I want to watch the movie now, but I don't know. I have a hard time watching movies right after I read the book because then I always... I just sit there and I compare... Know what was taken out and what was added instead of actually just trying to enjoy the movie. So maybe I'll wait six to eight months and then I'll go ahead and rewatch or I'll watch the movie. But apparently it's a pretty good movie. So that's everything for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. As far as any sort of reminders or announcements, next week's book is 112263 by Stephen King. It is a phenomenal book. Loved that book. So If you are interested in reading along with the podcast, go ahead and read that book. It is a long one, so you probably can't read the whole thing in a week, but if you can, all power to you. And then the book after, the week after that is going to be Animal Farm by George Orwell. So, and then if you want to see the rest of the list for 2024, make sure to check out our Instagram or check out the uh, community page on. YouTube. And if you are listening on YouTube, make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe to the channel. And if you are on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that podcasts are listened to, make sure that you leave us a five-star review and that you subscribe to the channel. Uh, We have been growing pretty good over the last couple weeks. So we've had a couple really good episodes come out and people have been really responding pretty positively to it. So I'm excited to see what comes up for the rest of 2024. So make sure that you're subscribing. And if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out and let us know. And if you know of somebody who you think might be a good guest, you can also fill out the form and leave suggestions on who we should try to get as guests. And you can let us know uh, who you want to see, read what books, and then we'll see what we can do. So thanks for listening to the podcast, and we'll see you later.